0: Welcome to the Dork Forest. Jackie and and her pals pals will never bore us. Shameless confessions about our obsessions will make us laugh and smile. So let's explore the Dork Forest and dork down for a while. 2023, you guys. And I'm winging it. Hi, it's Jackie Cation. Welcome to the Dork Forest. That's the website, the Dork Forest, if you like a determiner. Dorkforest.com also works. JackieCation.com has all of my stand-up information. Like it has videos, it has pictures, it has links to this podcast and to my other podcast with Lori Kilmartin. It has a merch store that has Dork Forest t-shirts. It has all of my stand-up merch and all of my CDs and DVDs. So that's what you know about websites. There's an opportunity, because uh, we're in the new year here, that you can donate to the Dork Forest. I don't have a Patreon. I don't have uh, anything really set up, though I understand you can set up on PayPal a monthly if you wanted to. Uh, You could donate and uh, be of, uh, to support the show. This is the 17th season, the 17th year I've been putting this stuff out. It's free, but if you have money and would like to throw me some money, boy, howdy. Uh, uh, There's a PayPal. uh, There is at my webs at my email address, actually, Jackie at com, which you can also email me and tell me how much you're enjoying the show. You can also do Venmo if you'd like, which is just Jackie Cation, no hyphen, all one word, picture of this, this person, me, and then um, I think that's it. I think I have Zell, but it's too complicated. Other than that, let's do the credits. Patrick Brady, still in, fixing the audio. All these years later, give it up to Patrick Brady. That's what a lot of your donations support, by the way, because I like to uh, share the wealth. And then um, Bill Moss, he does the websites, and Mike Rickberg wrote and sang that song. Composed and sang that song with his wife now, Sarah. And uh, at the end, he sings uh, the Mexican hat dance, which is always fun. Anyway, I'm sure there's more to it. There's a band camp that has a bunch. It has like a a, a stand-up storytelling album that was never released. It's uh, There's also a a bunch of live episodes that many of them are free. There were 200 episodes that were not pre-recorded, and I sort of culled through those, and I pulled like 17 of the best ones. There's an album collection of that, 17 Hours of Dork Forest. If you run through all of the episodes, go to bandcamp.com, Dork Forest, or Google those words, and you'll find it. Anyway, there's probably more. I can't remember any of it, but you're doing great. Feel free to enjoy the show. Oh my gosh, Jackie Cation, I am in my garage. It couldn't happen to a nicer person. Uh, But with me, to do the dork forest, another nicer person. It's Mike Kaplan. Welcome back to the show, Mike Kaplan.
1: Thank you for having me. I love talking to you. That was a delightful introduction to well, yourself, by yourself. Thank you. <laughs> well, I'm there for
0: myself, and that's the important thing. That's truly <laughs> where I'm at in life. Mike Kaplan, by the way, spelled M-Y-Q-K-A-P-L-A-N, and it's at Mike Kaplan on everything. He has a new Dry Bar special coming out in two days. Uh, That'll be, I think, the middle of May of 2023. It's on Drybar. Yes. If you use the code Mike Kaplan or Mike, just Mike, right? M-Y-Q?
1: Yes, just M-Y-Q on the Dry Bar Comedy Plus app. Look for the app and it'll get you a free month. And then it'll help me if you also forget to unsign up for it, which you're certainly welcome to do. But if you accidentally leave it there for years, it'll really help me a lot.
0: <laughs> and then you're going to Edinburgh in August to do, uh, with the bit it probably some mind. Are you going to do a little physical work? <laughs>
1: yes. Uh, I've come on this podcast to talk about <laughs> how when I go uh, 25 days in a row, maybe even more, I don't know. You will be uh, I will be doing... <laughs> <laughs> yeah the the john cage of comedy they call me uh 25 edinburgh's of silence
0: mike kaplan also has a uh, one million comedy albums the current one is called live in between albums and uh you should always listen to all of them so there you go is there a mike kaplan it's at mike kaplan on instagram and all the things but is there a mike kaplan.com i forgot to
1: there ask there is it seems like i mean I don't pay attention to who goes there, but I definitely hardly go to websites anymore.
0: I go to websites. I like to see where people are, what's happened. I I like to, I get a little jealous. I'm not going to lie to you. Uh, <laughs> so I will say this, is that um, let's, let's dork out, though. Uh, you have dorked yes. out several times on this program. Your current topic, my friend, is Buddhism. Yes. yes. Not, by the way, I just talked about, before I even let you talk, I'm going to tell you a story. I just talked to my dad uh, as I was uh, doing errands right before this. And he said, you know, I once had a lead at a nudist colony. <laughs> and I said, not nudism, dad, Buddhism. He didn't hear me. It's He's 86. And so he said, so it was in Burlington. And uh, and I so I show up and I was like, do I have to... Take off my clothes to pitch, uh, for you guys to buy, and he, and they said no, and he said because I'm keeping an awning, anyway, so <laughs> one awning, not nudist. I love
1: it. I, I love it all. Uh, I mean, sounds like for certain audiences at a nudist colony or a naturalist uh event of any kind like certain things might be very easy to sell to like hey is anyone there uh feeling uncomfortable with the choices that they've made here's a tie
0: (laughs) right i did say when he said nudist colony i said and and they asked him to take his clothes i said said, were you hoping were you hoping (laughs) because he was working the angles he's always working the angles
1: Oh, yes. But Buddhism, I mean, you know, there's certainly a commonality in perhaps (laughs) maybe minimalism is, you know, the the Venn diagram overlap where my understanding is that certain Buddhist monks uh, who take, you know, take vows. There's vows of poverty, similar. You know, I don't know if they call it that, but uh, there are Buddhists uh, who only own, I think, four things. They only want to own four things. My dog
0: has an issue. There you go. You came in, you stupid. uh, Pardon me while I call my own dog stupid. He's not right. That's fair. This is Tyson and Tyson uh, doesn't like it when the door isn't wide open. We all like a (laughs) wide open door. We feel more welcome. Don't we? (laughs) So, yeah. So, so Buddhism, uh, I missed the last 30 seconds of what you just said, like a jacket.
1: I'll, It's funny because I started talking about minimalism, and I—it's something that I strive for and do not, you know, uh, verge on very frequently uh, in in the words that I use, in the things that I own. Like, my girlfriend and I are moving in the process of packing up all our stuff in the next couple weeks, so we're like, "What things do we need? All of them? More than all of them? This thing?" Uh, But we're doing our best to be like, "Yeah." I'm like. Look, at look, I've got all of these books, many of them about Buddhism, some of which I'm, I've read, many of which I've intended to read for the 17 years that I've owned them. Sure. Uh, I'm like, any lifetime now. But the thing I was saying while you're, I mean, here's the thing. You were caring for uh, a sentient being. Tyson the dog. Tyson the dog. In does. Buddhism, cool thing, they say, you know, some people- there's I feel like there's been lots of jokes over the years. You've done comedy a lot. You've seen, a lot, of jokes. seen the, a lot of jokes from both perspectives of like people who love animals, people who don't love how much people love animals like the I'll give you here's a, a trope the he thinks he's people, you know, or people who refer to their animals as their babies of kinds. Uh, babies. Oh, I'm of doing fur. a joke
0: because my mother-in-law refers to the, my dog as uh, that. I am that dog's mother. But all that does is open a door for me to be able to say, I've never slept with a dog. Do you want to hear the story of how, how close I came? <laughs>
1: Uh, I love it. Uh, And yes, if you're asking me, I'd be happy to hear it. Or if Uh, that's just part of the joke, I'm happy to not hear it.
0: It's incredibly not. uh, It's, it's, and then it isn't about that. It's just uh, the closest, (laughs) I never came even close. All I did was ask a guy named Dino if he was named after the dog in the Flintstones. (laughs) And he said, I'm Greek, you idiot. That's the end of the joke (laughs) right there. There's not a lot to it.
1: (laughs) You heard it here um, seventh. (laughs) And... So this is all to say, in Buddhism, the, you know, so in, let's say, in conventional uh, Western parlance in the the culture that I was raised, and I probably, I imagine you were raised, we think of there's humans and there's animals. And then if you're like, well, technically, a human is an animal. Right. So really... Like in the, you know, the, the stratification that we we may have learned in a science class. Like I was taught
0: that humans were animals and uh, and it was leaned into. I don't know why I, I blame the 70s. So
1: <laughs> and it's it's absolutely true That is it is true. And there's a world in which if somebody says humans and animals we understand them we're not like um don't you mean humans and other animals
0: Uh, (laughs) oh there's a pedant out there who wants to say those
1: words to us yes and so yes the we understand conventionally uh that when you say humans and animals you mean humans and non-human animals and also buddhism flips the script in Buddhism, the way the the, the dividing uh, hierarchy works is: persons include humans and all of what we think of as non-human animals. A horse is a person. A dog is a person. A bug is a person. Wait like, a minute! Not a human in, person. In the
0: original language that the Buddhist, let's first of all, I love that we're a good five six minutes in, and I have to and then rewind because. I'm here with Mike Kaplan talking about Buddhism. First of all, what I know about Buddhism, you can imagine, is very much a middle-aged white lady's knowledge of Buddhism, which very easily could be Taoism. So let us, uh, let us talk about, is there scripture? Who started it? There's a skinny Buddha, there's a fat Buddha. I've seen the statues, that's what I know. What do we know? Ha! Let's start uh, at the beginning briefly and then I do wanna go back to the personhood.
1: Absolutely. And in fact, I'm going to address, okay, a lot of what I've learned about Buddhism. And number one, kudos to you on knowing that Buddhism and Taoism are different. Like you're (laughs) already ahead of the game. Uh, My friend Gus, a dear friend of mine, is a practicing Buddhist. Uh, A joke that I tell sometimes almost exclusively on podcasts about Buddhism is... (laughs) For this reason, because uh, I've been learning a lot about Buddhism. The joke that I tell on stage is I've been learning a lot about Buddhism from Instagram and bumper stickers like you do. The truth <laughs> yes. is that I've been learning a lot from my friend Gus, a practicing Buddhist. So I've been learning a lot about it. I, I really like it. One of the main ideas of it is that the goal, if there's a goal for many Buddhists, is to uh, eliminate suffering, to decrease suffering and increase happiness for all sentient beings. Like that's the main thing. That most of us admirable. are striving to do anyway. Yeah, yeah. You know?
0: Like if like if you're not a monster, that should be the end game for any religious or non religious person. There you go.
1: Exactly. And in fact, I'll probably uh refer to this at various points, but I'm reading this book, or I just finished this book right now called Zen. Oop, you can let's see if you can see it. Yeah, Zen is right here. Uh and it's by Shunryu Suzuki. It's or it's the wisdom of him as presented by others. And one thing that he says in it is that to non-Buddhists, there are Buddhists and (laughs) non-Buddhists. But to a Buddhist, everyone is a Buddhist, including bugs. Um, (laughs) Okay. Um. So, uh, but here's the thing. Okay. Uh, We all, certainly, almost every being that you can imagine that we know wants to increase happiness for themselves, wants to decrease happiness, uh, sorry, wants to decrease suffering uh, for, for themselves. That's what we we want more happiness, less suffering. And then the goal eventually is ground zero.
0: Yeah. Yeah, You're talking ground zero, increase happiness, decrease suffering ground zero.
1: And then, you know, maybe you include your family in that. Maybe you include your loved ones, your neighborhood, your community. And ultimately, you know, the, the Buddha or a Buddha or a Bodhisattva, my understanding is, which is like sort of a a peaceful, you know, the equivalent of a warrior, but not for, for peace instead of war. Like they are people who are trying to help everyone achieve that, trying to help everyone gain happiness and decrease suffering. And it's said that they might love, uh, everyone in the world, every sentient being the same way that a loving mother loves a child. Just every sentient being gets that. All the love. A couple of things.
0: First of all, yes. this, these are the best stand-up comics for me. And second uh-huh. of all, I like the, the qualification of a loving mother. Because an angry mother or a resentful oh. mother, less positive. Less positive.
1: Yeah, they, they, they do their best to cover their bases. <laughs> um, so, to an- here's the reason I bring up Gus, my Buddhist friend who is the source. Ah, yes. Okay, so the joke that I tell on podcasts. Is sometimes when I talk about Buddhism as extensively as I do, people ask me reasonably, are you a Buddhist? And I say, No, I'm not a practicing Buddhist. But are you familiar with Mitch Hedberg's joke about, he's like, people sometimes ask me if you have I have a girlfriend. I say, like, I don't have a girlfriend, but I do know a woman who'd be real mad if she heard me say that. Yes. So love love mitch Hadberg love that joke mm-hmm. and i feel this way like boy I'm was not his a girlfriend
0: mad <laughs> by the way when he married that woman that other woman
1: <laughs> anyway the other lynn with a different number of n's i believe yes yes um so i am not a practicing buddhist but i i think that there's there's a buddha somewhere out there who would be pretty fine with me either way if he heard me say that. So. <laughs> buddha seems
0: to be a good sport
1: yeah. Maybe the best, maybe the best sport. So Gus recently, recently a friend of mine, a comedian friend wrote a joke about Buddhism, shared it with me. I shared it with my Buddhist friend, Gus, and he said, I have, there are some things about this that I feel like are inaccurate based on my understanding. Okay. at okay. As so many of us, I've written many jokes about Buddhism over the years that were absolutely based on caricatures that are incorrect. I've
0: written jokes about meat and vegetables that were inaccurate. So uh, (laughs) why? Yeah. Why
1: stop So, But here's here's the thing. One of the classic things that so many of us think and see uh, that we believe are true about Buddhism is that Buddha was fat, which he was not. I mean, there are many different... Uh, Buddhas there's maybe infinite Buddhas but the Buddha Shakyamuni Buddha the classic the the main Buddha that we think of when we think of the Buddha who's like the the originator of in this timeline many of the stories and uh, the teachings 84,000 or so I believe that he didn't write down that was transferred you know orally uh, from the thousands of years ago that he lived but Eventually, people codified it. Somebody was like, "I think it would be good to write these down for people to spread them uh, to people who want them, other places than where well, you can hear." Then
0: why is he pictured as a, as 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 as, a, as heavier, shall we say? Uh,
1: it's here's here's the reason. I'm gonna read to you from a text Ooh. from Gus. this is a, this is uh, a Dork
0: Forest classic. You guys, we're pulling up a text, we're reading from yeah. it. Let's hear it.
1: Got it, so Gus, to me, on the subject uh he says, uh, the Buddha was never fat at any point in his lifetime. He was famously extremely skinny at one point. That's how he discovered the middle path. He nearly died of starvation, realized that would have accomplished nothing, and he was of unremarkable, as far as I know, as far as Gus knows, uh unremarkable weight at other times, but never fat. The idea that he was fat is a Western misconception which arose like this. In China, there was a monk named Budai, B-U-D-A-I. It's spelled here with some accents over several of the vowels. He was fat and happy. Over time, it became accepted in China that Budai was a manifestation of a different Buddha, Maitreya Buddha, Uh, note well, not Shakyamuni Buddha. So he became known as the Happy Buddha, uh... Gus adds in parentheses, kind of like the unmarried bachelor, I guess. Uh, So the similarity of the name Budai to the word Buddha is sheer coincidence to our Western ears. Buddha is the Sanskrit word we adopted for referring to, Shakyamuni, and the Chinese word for Buddha, I'm told is Fu, which sounds nothing like Budai. But when Westerners were exposed to a figure named Budai and told this was the happy Buddha, they seem to have assumed that Budai uh, is my guess. Uh, or That was a funny way of pronouncing Buddha. OK, uh, this feels so, very
0: Coca-Cola Santa Claus.
1: So 100 uh, uh, percent. Yeah.
0: So there you go. So now who the 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 teacher And this is not to fat shame anyone, by the way, this discussion of weight, it's all good. So, uh, we love you however size I am and you are. (laughs) So there you go. So the, um, but the, the question, uh, remains who was the original person who was attributed to being the Buddha?
1: Yes. I do. I've always
0: wondered this. Have you have any idea?
1: Uh, yeah, Shakyamuni Buddha is is the one who we think of as uh, Buddha. Gautama is also a name associated there, which, like, okay, if you go to, let's, I'm going to briefly, uh, of course, uh, go to the source of all important information, Wikipedia, and- Well, if you're if writing I papers, tell,
0: I'm going to need a second source on my desk.
1: Yes, uh, but, so there is a Wikipedia page for the underscore Buddha- And that is Siddhartha Gautama, who lived uh, in South Asia during the 6th slash 5th, 6th or 5th century BCE, and is considered the founder of Buddhism. Okay. And then uh, he was uh, born to royal parents of the Shakya clan, and that is why I believe uh, he was eventually called Shakya Muni. Buddha, but also let me say as not a Buddha, but someone big fan, uh, big fan of Buddhism and all the Buddhas that I'm aware of. So any of this is going, all this is filtered through my, you know, flawed, uh, as far as I know, I am not yet a divinely enlightened Buddha master. So some of what I say may be inaccurate. Uh, but right. my understanding is that you this just, man, you just think it's yeah.
0: fascinating and really cool. Uh, and
1: practical, and pra- uh, absolutely, and practical. Yes. What yes, is what is 100%. the practical
0: application of of what you know of Buddhism?
1: Sure, sure. Well, with the goal being the increase, so l- I guess let's get to the the four noble truths, which are kind of like the greatest hits of of Buddhism. Okay, like there are many many teachings, and there are many different schools of Buddhism, but classic among I think all, if not all, most. The Four Noble Truths. The first truth, essentially, is that there is suffering, uh, ah. which couldn't get... In life, there is suffering. Many people... I think most people would agree. Uh, some people mistake this for all things are suffering, which that is, I think, an overreach. That is an overextension. Uh, but definitely... Oh,
0: because there's the statement, there, there, is, there is suffering, is just a statement that is a noble truth, but it doesn't it doesn't put anything on anyone.
1: No, no, but it should be something that we all I mean, look, look within yourself and have you ever suffered? Uh, then, yes, then you can agree that there is suffering somewhere in the space time continuum. Right. Yeah.
0: But, but you say that some people misunderstand it and say that uh, there is always suffering or there is or all all beings suffer. Yeah, And that's not what the, to your knowledge, the Buddhist uh, truth is, noble truth is.
1: Yes. I mean, I would say that for people who are not Buddhas, that it is probably true that nearly, that I'd say that all beings do suffer at times. In fact, maybe even a lot of the time in this cyclic, you know, uh, existence that we seem to be like, you know, depending on, you don't have to believe in rebirths and reincarnation to find value in the teachings of Buddhism, but there are many uh, Buddhists and teachings that do talk about uh, rebirths and that a human life is a precious one because it's one where we can do a lot. Like there's godly realms that are like much more joyous than ours. Mm -hmm. And there are hellish realms that are much less joyous than ours, but ours has, you know, some some of both, but also the the capacity, a greater capacity to follow the path to make it so that we don't continually be reborn in the more hellish realms.
0: Okay. Um, so, Noble Truth 1, there is suffering. We will get suffering. to reincarnation. And, oh, yes.
1: Yeah. Well, uh, if not in this podcast, in the next podcast that is reborn out of this one. <laughs> um, the There's a framing of the Four Noble Truths that I like that's let me see if i can get it it's sort of like the way that a doctor like i think it's like the symptoms the mm. symptoms are suffering uh number 2 uh the causes of suffering uh that's the no, noble truth number true number 2 the causes of suffering uh and that is the diagnosis so there's the symptoms there's the diagnosis uh and then Number three, and it's funny, my friend Gus once taught a class on the four noble truths and a man fell asleep uh, after he, he hear, heard only the first noble truth, didn't hear that there were others. He was like, oh, there is suffering. Got it. <laughs> Left, never came back. So he, Gus always wants people to know there are more. It's not just that one. And in fact, the third noble truth is the uh, the end of suffering, that there is or can be an end to suffering. And number four is the path to the end of suffering, the the steps that one can take, which is often called, I think, the noble eightfold path the, the so, path
0: to the, the path to end suffering
1: Yeah, the path to the cessation of suffering, it's often called
0: okay. so these aren't necessarily truths in sort of a, an English Western kind of thing, like there is suffering felt like just sort of a truth. The cause yes. of suffering does indeed feel like we're going to look for some symptoms, like you said. Yes. So and the yes. end of suffering is uh, is that sort of a recipe to how to how
1: to treat it? Yes. Often. Yeah. The prescription in the medical model. Uh, and then I, th- I guess the, the, path the path is, path is to ongoing the end of it. service. Yeah, or, yeah, the treatment or the the medicine or, you know, the prescription and then the taking of the medicine that then uh, leads to the end of the ailment.
0: What, so what book, is there a Buddhist book like the Tao? Is it the Upanishads or is the Bhagavad Gita or is it what, something like
1: that? So my, I've heard of all these. I know the Bhagahad, Bhagavad Vita is... Hindu, I believe. Yes. So I've read all of them, by the
0: way, uh, because I took classes in college. So, you know, in your heart that I read them 30 years ago and I probably skimmed them while drunk. So there you go. (laughs) Uh,
1: And so I've heard of the Upanishads. I think they may also be more Hindu related. But the the text that I am familiar with that, uh, again, Buddha didn't write the this the particular Buddha that we're talking about, didn't write things down. Uh, but one of the ways they've been collected over the years, there is a text called the Lam Rim, L-A-M space R-I-M. And that is, uh, a textual form that presents the stages, like basically the steps to like from, you don't know anything about Buddhism. You don't know anything about ending suffering to, uh, getting all the way to the end, all the way to the end of suffering.
0: Okay. Wow. And how about, now here's, uh, I'm just going to keep throwing things out. The things that I yeah. know. Confucius. Yes. yes. Who the hell is he? Uh,
1: not a Buddhist, I think. There we go. I think. Now s- yeah, we can so, write him off set. for a different episode yeah. of The Dork Forest. Okay. Yes.
0: <laughs> now, let us go back to personhood. Yes. So in Buddhism, there is personhood.
1: Yes. And... I I think it's the question that you were asking, like, as to whether it's a different translation of the word. I mean, in one of the ways in which I have been learning about Buddhism is through a process through a a modality called uh, Tibetan debate, Tibetan debate. uh, Like not all Buddhism is Tibetan, but there is Tibetan Buddhism. Um, And in Tibetan debate, which I've been learning with my friend Gus. Uh, one thing, like you don't need to know anything about Buddhism to learn the the mechanisms and the methodology of this debate process, but the book that we're reading does offer uh, like specific Buddhist examples. Like, for example, here's a hierarchy. Uh, before I get to the hierarchy, there's three. I don't know what these three things are called, but the three main. Three main things in Buddhism that if you, I think if you can glean any of them, you're pretty good. You're like kind of set, but definitely if you get them all, uh, and those three things are, uh, one is called dukkha, which is, which translates to suffering sometimes, but sometimes it gets transferred, translated as like more discomfort. And because when we think of suffering, we think of like, wah, I'm sad often, or I'm hurt. But there are different sufferings, like even when something feels good, like knowing that it's not going to last is a form of suffering as well. Like when we're like, I got the thing that I wanted, and yet now you know, like actually I've been, I recorded my dry bar special in September of 2021. And I think they told me they're like, usually it's like six to nine months until it comes out. And it wasn't, it's a, it's been a year and a half. But so at a certain point I was like, Oh, when's it going to happen? It's going to, I want it to come out. I am excited. I want people to hear it. Uh, so that's that lack that sort of coming from a place of, you know, not abundantly like, Oh, everything like it's fine. I was fine. I, it wasn't hurting me that it wasn't coming out right And yet still yeah uh and now i just got the email yesterday it's coming out next week and here are some things that you can do to help like spread the word and promote and and i was like oh and now now more it's like you climbed a mountain and now as a reward you get to climb down the mountain and up another mountain and right uh, mountains mountains all the way up right right
0: well and the expectations and the whole you know I will, um, lateral discussion, of course, is, Mm -hmm. uh, the expectations when, when you like the dry bar thing will be what is called in stand up comedy passive income, right? Mm -hmm. It will eventually pay you, uh, which is why a year and a half later you're like, that'd be great if that came out. And if you're not freaking out about it, it would be better because, you know, in the interim, like, when all of my albums went off of Pandora and Spotify and XM Series, it cut essentially a third of my income. When I stopped working for Maria for about a year and a half, Maria Bamford loves to overpay me. Uh, that was probably another third of my income. You know what I learned, Mike Kaplan? I can live on a third of my income. Ha! Because I am still living indoors, uh, and I have, you know, there's food in the fridge, and I can buy a book if I want to read a read a novel. I don't, I don't have to sweat it.
1: Fantastic. You could buy a copy of the Upanishads if you want. Uh, I own a copy. Bone up.
0: But there Ah, it is. Gathering dust. There it is.
1: (laughs) That's, uh, that's, I think that's a wonderful attitude. And yeah, exactly. Sometimes we can get, sometimes they call, they call it getting hooked, depending who is using what language, like on these things that are sometimes called kleshas, which are uh, the the things that make us like oh no the thing like desire the the things that we want that we don't have that we think would make us happy even though when we get them then they bring along with them other things that you know because there is no endpoint there is no reaching the horizon of like once I'm there then then I'm good forever and right so that's so the, the first one of these things of these three things that probably have a name that I don't know is suffering. Uh, and they're, these aren't in an order. That So one of them is suffering. One of them is impermanence, uh, which we can glean pretty, pretty easily as well. Like the idea, like, look at yourself in the mirror today. Look at a picture of yourself from a year ago, from 10 years ago, from 30 years ago. We are impermanent. Look at, you know, a penny today. Look at it. Look at that same penny right when it came out of the factory. Look at that penny a year from now. And we can see every... Everything, every every, like there are in Buddha. Okay, so uh, I'm almost okay. That I'll get back to here. Here comes this is where on stage I would say one time I was heckled by a lady who just said focus, (laughs) and now she's my mentor. So uh, the third thing, so suffering, impermanence, and then selflessness. That all things lack a self. That nothing has a permanent, intrinsic, uh, you know, unchanging. Self like that's like when people and this is the one that also gets sort of misunderstood by myself in the past and sometimes still Mm -hmm. the idea that like that we if we say oh I don't have a self well then who who's talk who's saying that I don't have a self it's not that there's nothing here Uh, like the middle path in Buddhism is I think often one one manifestation of it is that sometimes when people hear that there is no self they're like oh so there's nothing Nihilism. On the other side, the opposite mistake is to think that there is a permanent self, like, a, like an eternal soul. In Buddhism, no eternal soul. There is not no god, no eternal soul. There are gods of a kind in the godly realm, but uh, let's leave them aside for now. Maybe a better, it'd be better to use a different word. But uh, the cool, here's a cool thing that I like about Buddhism. Before I get back into everything. Uh, when I I, ra- I was raised Jewish, I learned about Judaism. I learned about Christianity by it being everywhere. And I remember having the question, you know, classic gotcha question for uh, a philosophy student or a child. You know, or any who among us hasn't thought, like, well, if God's all powerful and all loving, if there's a loving God that's all powerful, then why is there suffering, mic drop, atheism, you know? (laughs) And uh, the question, the way that Buddhism answers this question is beautiful and makes a lot of sense to me is that the Buddha, all Buddhas are said to be number one, omniscient, all knowing. Number two, omnibenevolent, all loving. Number three, omnipresent, all places. Number four, specifically not omnipotent, not all powerful, because if the Buddha was all powerful, then absolutely, snap, everyone's suffering is, got, is gone, but we all have to do it. There's a thing that they say that I think the Buddha said or somebody uh, purported to be the Buddha. That the bucket is not filled by the last drop and the bucket is not filled by the first drop. The bucket is filled by each drop. Each one of us can, we can, I can only, like Ramdas, not specifically Buddhist, but another spiritual teacher that I feel like is Buddhism adjacent, he has said, like, the best thing that I can do for you is work on myself. And, you know, that's a, a great place to start. Uh, Pema Shodron, for an American sure. Buddhist nun, yeah, has or- a book, Start Where You Are. Like, the only place there is where you are that's the place to start the book i'm reading right now zen is right here shunryu suzuki somebody asked him why do we have? if zen is everywhere why do we have to come to the zen training place and the answer is like well zen is everywhere but for you zen is right here <laughs> like wherever you are that's the place that's the place to start and so you can work on eliminating your suffering and you know the same way that of course like uh, when we know about the suffering of others that can hopefully uh, it might make us suffer ourselves or it can, and it can also motivate us to help others, help ourselves. And part of one of the explanations of there being no self is that in some ways we are, you know, we are all, I think that's where the concept of we are all oneness comes from, which might even not be, I, I think it's not a thing that the Buddha said specifically. Uh, it's just more of a, a a modernism, but that there is that everything Thich Nhat Hanh, The Buddhist monk who died in the past year or two, wonderful, lots of bangers, wonderful books, how to how to fight, how to relax, how to walk, how to eat, how to this, how to that. Uh, He he talked of a concept called interbeing like and he would say that everything inter all things inter are like a flower can't exist without dirt, without water, without sunlight. A flower can't exist without a bee. A bee can't exist without a flower. The bee and the flower inter are. I can't exist without people that, without food, without air, without trees, without sunlight, without the earth. Uh, we And we all, so we all inter-are. There's no one that can exist on their own. And in fact, you know, you might know that all of our molecules, all of our cells, all of our atoms, like, they're not made of the same stuff from moment to moment. Like, we are all constantly, like, you probably got some of my atoms from hanging out with me at some point.
0: Who was it? Um... Mm, I read his book, too. He was. Um, no doubt on Oprah. Um, one of the great one of the great uh, talking heads of of be a decent person guy. And I believe our Tolle. Nope. It's uh, Deepak Chopra. Deepak Chopra. That's it. Yeah. And thank you for playing this episode of Mad Libs or whatever. <laughs> so, uh, but the but he but Deepak Chopra was the one who pointed out because he's a medical doctor in addition to being yes. um, sort of a, a pep talk guy, and um, mm-hmm. that's what I think of those guys. I think of they're they're giving you a pep talk and Dr. pep talk. Yeah. The so here's my next question though is so if Buddhism doesn't if it has gods in some adjacent dork forest we're not going to go to, is it a religion?
1: Mm. So, this gets to a. I feel like all of your questions are pointing at this question or the topic of uh, definitions, which, when I started talking about Tibetan debate, one of the things that I learned about was the definitions in Buddhism of many things. Okay. That ultimately, when you're using language, like at some point, definitions will become circular because to define words with other words. Then you look up those words and you're like, wait, but what's the first one? How do we know what the word blue even means? And you're like, well, look at that, you know? Uh, so they, they do it. They do their best words do. And (laughs) so they do meticulously define, uh, very like words and concepts in Buddhism. So like the question of what is a person and what is, you know, what qualifies, what fits in that category. Um, and so even the question of what is a religion, like, I think that the question of what is a religion, which probably on another Dark Forest, uh, on another Dark Forest, you and I discussed linguistics, which is something that I uh, also studied. Yeah. And so technically, I am a master of linguistics, which uh, and even the word master, it itself means many things. Uh, and there it's funny that there are doctors of linguistics who are technically more powerful in linguistics than I (laughs) But master sounds like I'm more powerful. Um, (laughs) So this is all to say, I, I think that the same way, I mean, let's take Judaism. Is Judaism a religion? Surely yes. But the way that many Jews are Jews? No. Like there are many Jews that are like, yeah, I mean, like, I don't do any of the things. Like, because religions offer many things. Religions offer community. Religions offer potentially a code of ethics religion offers you know uh rituals you know some ways of living it's funny like i feel like somebody asked me once i was like no this is a joke i asked myself a joke (laughs) idea that i have of like where the bible came from like everything that's in the bible because there's some things that are like real cool like hey like maybe don't murder absolutely on board Mm -hmm. and then they're sometimes like maybe don't wear clothing that has different kinds of fibers in it. And I'm like, I don't think that that one's on the same level. as The other one. I mean, but each one had
0: a reason, Uh, but one reason currently moot.
1: Uh, Yes. Yes. And, and so I feel like whoever came up with, you know, the rules in the Bible, it's as if somebody asked like, okay, so, What's the best way to live? And they're like, okay, don't kill, don't steal, don't this, don't that. And then they're like, okay, keep going, keep going. And like, uh, yeah, I guess <laughs> well, I don't. My things are just all one one fiber. So like, if if you're asking how I live, how do I live? That's how I live. Right. Um. It's it's very simple. And this gets back to the very beginning. Briefly, I'll uh, button off one thing that I started to say before uh, a person that is your dog uh, was. Needed care that you expressed increasing the dog's happiness and your own and mine Uh, Very Buddhist of you Uh, There are some Buddhist monks that this is the thing that uh, For 30 seconds while you were attending to the dog you did not hear I think there are some Buddhist monks that take vows to not own Anything more than they need and so they only own four basic things they own a bowl for food they own Shoes or, like, a pair of shoes for walking around. They own a robe or maybe an an extra robe to be able to, like, wear when they're washing their first robe. But, like, robe, shoes, bowl. And then the final item, I believe, is uh, a permissible item is a little little broom or a little implement to sweep bugs out of your path as you're walking so that you do not... Accidentally murder extra bugs.
0: Wow, um, the care of bugs is interesting to me. Yes. I remember, you know, we we all we all read about um, the kids that take a magnifying glass and and kill bugs, and yes. as a sign of troubled youth, that is a that mm-hmm. is a that is a troubled human that is about to continue living. And um, I remember when I was a kid. I, um, used to avoid, I have no idea who taught me this, is to avoid stepping on ant. Uh, and I hate ants. I, uh, I used to, I used to not care about ants and, and would just avoid ants. I don't know how I was taught to avoid killing bugs if I didn't need to kill bugs. Might have been my grandmother who said, no, they're helping the garden, leave them alone. And, um, and then I used to have a recurring nightmare where spiders fell from the ceiling all over me. And that would Mm. wake me up yelling. Now, um, because I don't, spiders are a lot uh, for me. For some reason, I didn't like them. But then I had what uh, someone told me was called a lucid dream. I felt special. Uh, Mm. But it was a dream where um, I was having that nightmare. And all I could think was, this is a nightmare. And I was like, hey, spiders, can we have some sort of social agreement where you don't get on me. Like, I mm-hmm. won't kill you if you... And the dream changed immediately to the, to the parting of the ways, and all the spiders fell on the floor. And since then, I have a social contract with spiders. And that is, if you are outside, you get to live. I don't want to look at you move. It creeps me out. But uh, if you are indoors, and I can find somebody to take you outdoors, that's great. But I might have to kill you. And I am so sorry, because I can't live in a house with a spider, it's too much, but I don't have a lot of spiders in my house. And it's almost like the spiders are like, no, no, we get it. We get it. So, you know, I, I mean, there's, there's uh there's people that I don't hang out with who find me, uh, not I'm too much. They they don't, <laughs> they don't want any part of me.
1: Yeah. I, we don't have to go too far in this direction, but sadly there are people who have that policy with certain people. Like if you, st- hopefully you stay out of my house and I don't swat you like a spider, but you come too near or ring the doorbell accidentally of my house. Oh. then I, oh, right. I spider you.
0: Oh, right, right. That, that feels like if somebody, I, if let's use an example from my childhood, Vicki Emberts, she beat me up a couple of times. I didn't do anything. She just had mm-hmm. some beating up to do. And, uh, I happened to be in the way. So, uh, for many years, Uh, just hated her, hated her, hated her, and uh, would avoid her. And if I saw her today, I would probably avoid her, though I think everyone 40 years later might be given some slack. She probably changed. Uh, (laughs) But uh, if she showed up at my door, I would not, there would not be a problem there. I would have to say, let's talk about it outside. I wouldn't invite her to the house.
1: Oh, yeah. Uh, There's a a Buddhist wise person named uh Shanti Deva and Shanti Deva said this thing that I'm I'll try to paraphrase it's like if someone hits us with a stick we most of us don't get mad at the stick <laughs> because we understand that the stick is just being caused to like the stick is the thing that's hitting us and hurting us mm-hmm. but the stick doesn't isn't trying to do it isn't doesn't it was caused to do it. Now, the the trickier part is, he's like, the person doing that is also like the stick. Like, you tra- you can go back and trace the causes and conditions of their state of being today, to their childhood, to their parents, to the... You know, they were a baby, and they're, the baby that they were experienced things, and, like, you know, sometimes they, they go back to other lifetimes also, back to in- beginningless time. But you don't even have to go that far. Like, to... Be like, oh, yeah, a baby. I'm not mad. I'm generally not mad at a baby. And the baby received treatment that it wasn't asking for, that it didn't, uh, you know, sign up for. And then it became that person at any step, every step of the way, the baby was caused to become the person who hit a person with a stick. Right. And it's not to say, like, that doesn't mean keep hanging out with that person. Like, definitely like, leave, get away right. from that person. Right. Step
0: away and from I'll- the stick that is a person. And I, in a lateral move, would say, this is the argument people use with guns, is that sticks should still be available and guns should still be available. But uh, it's a ranged weapon. Uh, I say, melee weapons, sure, those should still be available. Ranged weapons, this is uh, someone using a, a stick person using something to affect things too far away from them, make them occur. Make them think locally. I, I don't want them to affect oh, yeah. globally.
1: I I understand. I'm on board. And a question that sometimes arises when uh, this story is told: Okay, so I'm not I'm not supposed to be mad at. I, I'm not mad at the stick. Okay, don't get mad at the person either, because you can understand that they are also like the stick. Well, then I'm mad. Who am I supposed to be mad at? And the answer is the delusion the delusion that everyone is under. In fact, the person hitting you with the stick is more under. Again, not to say... You shouldn't step abuser. away from yeah. the
0: abuser, yes.
1: Yeah, you can, you know, you can understand from a distance. Right. Um. Horrible story. But, uh, yes.
0: I lost my temper once, and I grabbed a woman by her shirt. This is mm. me as an adult in the last wow. 20 years. Yeah. And that woman, luckily for everyone, was a bus driver. So she knew how to deal with the unstable. <laughs> and she said to me, you're not going to hit me. And I let go of her. And I said, of course not. And, I, and then <laughs> we awkwardly stood there. And then I got to say, moments later, I am so sorry for losing my mind. And she said, I'm glad it's over. And uh, she didn't say, oh, don't worry about it. Nobody's ever said, don't worry about it when I've lost my temper and done something crazy. Uh, everyone yeah. who I've apologized to has been like, oh, good.
1: I'm glad you realized that, that was nuts. That's it's a good a good way to accept an apology is to say thank you. Yes. You know that it honors like, yeah, it's if it's a legitimate apology that isn't, you know, disclaiming. Yeah. If you're like, oh, I, I regret what I did. I made a mistake. I, I'm
0: going to try not to d- do, I do I that didn't. again. Yeah.
1: Yeah, yeah. I, I've I've learned a thing. Can I make it up to you in some way? Thank you.
0: And then thank um, you is a good
1: response. And uh, yeah. yeah,
0: yeah. Nobody's. Yeah, I've, I've had at least three people say thank you, which means that I've made three mistakes that I've had to go back and apologize <laughs> for. You guys.
1: Ah, well, okay. I think three so pretty good. Yeah. We're
0: close to. We're close to like ten minutes left, and this yes. you know Buddhism. We're talking thousands of years old. Oh. So let's.
1: Yeah, I'll I'll wrap up some ideas. And first I'll say also, to be continued, of course, in many podcasts, Infinite Lifetimes, my friend Gus, the Buddhist, was on my podcast. I recommend that podcast episode. We don't extensively talk about Buddhism, but I've taken classes that he has taught that are all like two hours long for like seven weeks. So there was no way we were going to get, you know, 84,000 teachings in one hour. But I will get to this. So the... The idea that there is no permanent self, uh, which we can really understand based on like the mood that we have now is not the mood that we had yesterday. We don't even remember many of our experiences from when we were a baby, when we were a child, even what you have for lunch on Tuesday last week. Who knows? Uh, We are that there is impermanence that, you know, moment to moment, everything is changing, that there is including the thing that we think of as our conventional self. We're like, it makes sense in convention to be like, oh, yeah, you're Jackie. I'm Mike. I get it. But also uh, at a certain point, this material that is Mike and the material that is Jackie will be it'll be called different stuff. It will maybe not even have a name. It'll be somewhere else, whatever it is. So the major category in the hierarchy of all that exists and doesn't, according to Buddhism, in my understanding, is the selfless, that which lacks a permanent self. That's everything that's existing things non-existing things do i have a permanent self no do unicorns have a permanent self no do unicorns exist no or whatever doesn't exist the uh, the horn of a rabbit <laughs> I a love four-sided that. circle mm-hmm. like a four-sided circle has no uh permanent self so a four-sided circle is selfless so at the top the selfless that gets divided into existing things and non-existence existence and non-existence then Existence get divided into impermanent phenomena and permanent phenomena, permanent phenomena we i'm not going to get into extensively because it took me a while to understand imperfectly what it is but most of the things that we think of like you know look around your home look around the room that you're in look around the world a tree a pen uh, our glasses our our bodies our hair like any one any person that we can look at your dog like these are all impermanent which an impermanence works on like Uh, different time scales like some things you know like uh, a spark impermanent uh, exists only a moment Uh, a human life impermanent exists for however long a human life is though every moment which I understand a moment in Buddhism to be in the snap of a finger there are either 64 or 360 moments happen in that amount of time and in a moment what happens is uh, a phenomenon will Arise, abide, and then uh fall away so and then and then the next moment will happen where like you know, this microphone looks like there's a microphone here constantly forever, but there's not at a certain point at, there wasn't a microphone at a certain point, there won't be a microphone, so it came into being, and it'll stop being in being, uh but every moment it shifts every moment, the molecules the all of it are being rebuilt and and dissolve. Uh, dissipated. And dissipated. Constantly.
0: So I know that eight minutes isn't really enough time. But uh, Buddhism is famous for talking about reincarnation. Uh, yes. Or at least in stand-up comedy. Yes. And uh, because it is a hell of a premise, uh, the idea. And the main premise is, is no one thinks that they were, you know, a, a peon back in the 12th century. Everyone thinks that they oh, were yeah. the king and queen. And so what is, to your understanding, in Buddhism, mm-hmm. the, the idea of reincarnation?
1: Yes, I will, I will share that. I think that the term that they use most frequently is rebirth, that we, uh, this, is, this is a rebirth for us, uh, a reboot of a kind, that if you go back uh, infinitely, like that, that time didn't begin, that there is beginningless time. And so we have been incarnating forever uh, until now. And that because of that, because of that infinite uh, timeliness, we have been, you and I have been to each other every relationship possible. I have been your mother. You have been my father. We have been friends. We have been, you know, strangers. Probably most of the time we didn't know each other. Uh, The, of course, uh, the question that, I asked Gus and the question that many people ask when they're like, okay, so if there's no soul, what is it that is being rebirthed, reborn, reincarnated? Right. If you're like, what's the thing that's the same from one life to the next? Cause it's certainly not the physical material.
0: Right. Right. And if there's no soul, this huge reveal here at 53 minutes. Okay. Okay. Because you already said that there was no soul to bring that back. Oh, yeah. What is it?
1: Uh, so this, this answer might not be satisfying to you.
0: Oh, I'm sure it won't be. Let's hear it.
1: Yeah. So the when I asked the question, uh, I'm paraphrasing the answer I received, which, which works for me. Like, I'm not saying... I definitely... The joke that I tell is I don't believe in reincarnation, but I think I may have in a past life. And... <laughs> The the truth of where I am now is I've read a lot of things and learned a lot of things from Buddhists who are like, basically, you don't have to believe in reincarnation to get on board with most of Buddhism. It's true, but you don't have to believe it. And and the way that the so the answer that Gus gave me was basically when I say, well, what is it that's reborn if if there is no soul? And he says, well, what is it that's the same about who you think you are from today today? to when you were getting up yesterday or going to bed yesterday or last week or last year or 17 years ago or when you were a baby. Like, what's the... If your baby self is not made of the same material that you are now and your baby self doesn't have any of the same experiences or capacities, like, your baby self looks completely different than you right now, is in so many ways completely different other than we're like, but that's Jackie, right? That one's Jackie. Follow it for a while. It's that... uh, Here it is. That's Jackie. But what is it that's the same about that baby to now the same, whatever that is, that's what's reborn.
0: Okay. That feels like a soul to me.
1: I mean, uh, if it app, ab- that's the thing. It absolutely feels like a soul. Yeah.
0: Yeah. But it doesn't but have to be defined no, as yeah. such.
1: Right. I mean, Oh no, the, the idea is that the, like it's, the realization of emptiness, of the the emptiness of an inherent, intrinsic, permanent self, like, that's, like, the big one. That's, like, if you... It's not even to say, like, if you get it, then there won't be a you to get it, you know? Like, <laughs> if if it's gotten, that which... And I... I'm not there. Like, I'm here with you. In right. fact... You might be there. You might be a divinely enlightened Buddha, as far as I know. And I might be the last individual non-enlightened being in the world. And everyone here is just distra- like rooting for me, playing their parts to be like, go for it. like, oh, maybe this will be the lifetime that he gets it. Maybe it'll be one trillion lifetimes from now.
0: The weird thing is, is have you ever seen an Albert Brooks Meryl Street movie called Defending Your Life? Love it. Love it. On the phone, Downloaded. Got the DVD,
1: watching <laughs> it,
0: um, yes. and it it has that whole, it has that vibe to it, right? Where you're just like, it has that what you just said feel to it about what life ought to be. You're you know you keep going forward, you know if you're if if you live in fear, you don't want to come back to Earth, you know you want to move away from Earth because Earth is being held. For beings that are in fear. Mm-hmm. And um I kind of like the idea of that.
1: Oh yeah. It he's a, a wise, kind man, a beautiful it's a beautiful movie, a wonderful story, and I I mean, absolutely don't I there's so much that I don't know yeah. about how anything works <laughs> and also like Here's one other one other tidbit from Buddhism that will be you know this is absolutely not comprehensive. Uh, maybe we'll come back and do Buddhism. Um, <laughs> Boom. <laughs> um, and then but, Buddhism. Yes. Yeah. The thing we'll get all the Udisms. The the thing that we when we think of ourself when we think of a person. Uh, we, like, what makes a person what sometimes it's there, so there's what's called in Buddhism the five aggregates and I may not get them all okay so one of them is I had I had them at one point but uh and I am them but there's uh the body the physical body uh the form then there's uh other things like there's consciousness there's like I could look it up real fast but anyway there's five di- there's four non-physical specific things that like when we when we think of a person we're like oh yeah like i can tell that one that's a person that's not a person that's one like this differentiates this from that and those five aggregates we think of them as making up a person but like the idea is, uh, my understanding of the idea is that it's an illusion because we're it's like it's like the big dipper like the big dipper we know what that is it's made of seven stars right, right. so if you look at those seven stars you're like there's one there's two there's up to seven That's the Big Dipper. But if you say, so is the Big Dipper real? Does the Big Dipper exist? Like, there's seven stars. If, like, those seven stars exist in the conventional way that they do, the Big Dipper is a name that we've given to the constellation. Like, it's not that there are seven stars and the Big Dipper. It's, it's that, does that make sense? Those seven stars
0: make up the Big Dipper?
1: Yeah, those seven stars make up the Big Dipper in but our minds. The big, yeah, 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 exactly. There is a. It is called the Big Dipper. The same way that the constellation of aggregates that we are—the matter and energy, the the consciousness and form—all of these things that we're like, yeah, 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 over here. This one, this one's Mike. This one has the constellation name, the Little Miker, You know,
0: <laughs> and and that is and 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 that is sort of. That's the term and That's the term. Whatever the aggregates are, make up the personhood, or make up the the thing that we're looking at, because we've named yeah. it, right? Like exactly. I've named this bottle, bottle. So
1: the oh yeah. So
0: it is the form of the bottle. It is the 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 feeling I get when I see it says bottle.
1: Um, yeah. I,
0: I see I, a bottle. I,
1: Yeah. Do you remember the original or the Voltron that I grew up with that was like five lions that became one big guy that was made of five robot lions? I've heard
0: of it. I've never uh, I've never gotten into it.
1: Yes. (laughs) So I think of like it's we're made of five aggregates as humans. And I feel like that is like a wonderful analogy in it might not be. But <laughs> yes. those five lions make up one guy. So we're like, wait, is it five lions or is it one guy? Be like, yeah, yeah, yeah. It, when it's all together, we're like, that's the one, that's Voltron. Right. But when it's all separately, we're like, yeah, those are the, that's the red lion, that's the green lion. Like, but okay, so how many things are there? We're like, yeah, that's not a, that question doesn't, uh, infinite.
0: Okay. <laughs> well... For the love of the of uh, of the not the baby Jesus, for love of everything, it's uh, um, we have talked about Buddhism for an hour, and we I have anecdotally told you things tangentially that were also interesting and entertaining. My caffeine, you guys, always a delight, always a delight. I get a text from every month saying, "Guess what? It's a new month," (laughs) and then uh, there's some some chitter chat. I I often feel. Like I should have um responded to it, but I've decided recently I don't I'm not gonna feel obligated. So uh but I know in your heart that it's always nice to get it. I forgot to ask you a thing. Should we go over?
1: Uh I'm happy to go over.
0: Dalai Lama.
1: About what is the it? recent thing? No. Yeah.
0: No, that's oh. but that's the guy who was reincarnated every time they find a little boy and they say yes. it's the new one.
1: Yes. Uh and so what's the question? Just Speak in general about it.
0: Yeah, well, that that guy's linked to Buddhism, right?
1: One hundred percent. There he we go. The yeah, yeah, you you got one. Oh, this is this is wonderful. Yeah.
0: Nailed it. It turns out, uh, whoever uh, is holding that that place card for Buddhism uh, as the Dalai Lama is also a human adult man who would like to touch other humans, and uh, I can't. None of us can stop it. It's fine. Uh, But we can talk to him about it for sure.
1: Uh, Oh, yeah. And my understanding with the recent kerfuffle is that, like, you know, it wasn't a thing that he was trying to hide and be ashamed about, like, because, like, it was public and filmed. And it was like, my understanding is that there are cultural differences, which doesn't negate... The uh, fact that you know, it,
0: it's a little uh, uncomfortable for us culturally.
1: Absolutely. <laughs> and a thing that he said a few years ago as well uh, about if there were, he was asked if a woman could be the Dalai Lama. And I think he said she would have to be attractive. Uh, and there's probably more context Ooh. for that because. But I do love that uh, statement.
0: That's great.
1: Yeah. It's. Uh... Uh, but other than those two things, everything that I've heard from and about the Dalai Lama is Pretty sweet. I'll tell you, here's two Dalai Lama stories. Let's do tell you, it. Three Dalai Lama stories that I love real quick. One, uh, my friend Gus, the practicing Buddhist, some years ago was going to an event at which the Dalai Lama was speaking, and he was, Gus was walking past like the storefront window that he was going to go in, made eye contact with the Dalai Lama through the window. Dalai Lama smiled a smile that made Gus say to me, he's like, I would love someday to feel as happy to see anyone or anything as it looked like he was happy to see me, a person that he'd never seen before. Uh, That's with, uh, cool. Corollary. Yeah. Yeah. The Dalai Lama has said he tri- he strives to greet everyone in the world as if an old friend, uh, which does add some additional context to when he's like, oh, so maybe we, maybe you. We we do this maybe, thing. We, maybe we, we, we
0: maybe we exchange uh, molecules. We embrace. Yeah.
1: Uh, number two, the Dalai Lama was asked. This is a serious one. Was asked uh, about regret. I think in an interview, and the Dalai Lama said that one time a man came to him and said, uh, "I'm, I want to practice this particular uh, thing, whatever. I want to do this exercise." And the Dalai Lama was like, "Oh, that's actually you're o- you're older." And don't need to do it. That is an exercise for a younger person. So don't even, don't even worry about it. You're cool. Don't need to do that thing. That's for younger people. Sadly, I'm so sorry. This man, the older man who wanted to do the thing, uh, commit, killed himself because he wanted to be reborn as a younger person who would get to do the thing. Um, wow. Yeah, and maybe so, the Dalai
0: Lama might not be entirely sure of how much power uh, he
1: wields. I mean, in that, the, the, the story continues. I think you're absolutely right that he didn't and now does more. Yeah. And somebody asked him, the interviewer said, how did you get over that? And the Dalai Lama said, I didn't. And so... That's a powerful thing that I feel like all of our, you know, we all do things that, you know, we wish we didn't that we've we've said things that have hurt people's feelings. We've grabbed a bus driver by the shirt. You know, we like we have some things that we don't remember, but we have many things that we carry with us, at least through this life. A brief other interlude. Karma is a topic that could also be the source of a very large topic of conversation. I'll just say this, that my understanding is that karma definitionally in Buddhism is not what we think of it as in the West. It's not, it's
0: it's not the thing that is being told to me if I ever take yoga. Ha ha ha. Uh,
1: (laughs) I mean, I can't, I can't speak for everyone, but the idea that karma is about what you deserve is a misconception uh, for the Buddhist definition of karma. The in karma in Buddhism it, it I think it simply means you're doing like if I, I lift up this teddy bear whose name is fudge and belongs to my girlfriend Rini. He's a member of our family. If I drop fudge just very gently, very briefly onto my lap, he falls mm-hmm. because of gravity. He didn't deserve to fall. It, it was just the natural consequence of my dropping him is that he fell. And that is what, that is the karma, the karma of, if it goes up, it comes down. If you, like a karma of killing. For every bug that we have killed, there is a karma of killing. For every any sentient being that is killed, there is a karma of killing that eventually will be reckoned with. Because will it be happened, worked out.
0: and it is like a butterfly effect kind of thing in scientific exactly. Talk. Okay. And
1: sometimes these happen, you know, so, from lifetime to lifetime. So to what lifetime. you're saying is that yeah. karma
0: is not always a bitch. I had to say Exa- that. Exactly.
1: <laughs> yes. I mean, often, like Not Hanh talks about. Watering, you know, the seeds. Like you may have heard, not Buddhist thing. Uh, the wolf you feed. You know, there's two wolves at war within you. Oh, right. The angry one, the yeah. happy one. Which one wins? Yeah, the yeah. one you feed. Native American story, as mm-hmm, I understand mm-hmm. it. Uh, a similar concept comes from Thich Nhat Hanh, the Buddhist monk, who says, like, if you, if we feel anger at something. You can water the seed of anger or you can water the seed of compassion. And whichever one you water more will be the one that grows within you and will be what you then spring to more easily. Uh, And so it's good to like even the Buddha has in his former lives. There's a story of him like killing someone to save a life, killing someone who was going to kill someone else before he was the Buddha, a Buddha. And he went to, my understanding is, a hell dimension. He became, he came back as a hell being briefly uh, and, like, bounced back up to another life, like, was there very shortly, came back up. But because he killed, he had to endure the consequences of the karma of killing, even though the intent was to save other lives. Okay. So. So, um. Yeah. Yeah. So Dalai Lama carries that. Okay. Final Dalai Lama story. Maybe my favorite. I say it on stage sometimes. Uh, I'll, 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 I'll do it to you. I'll, here's, I, I believe that I can answer any question honestly and correctly. So if you want to ask me anything, I will answer it honestly and correctly. Wow.
0: This is, this is a freebie, ladies and gentlemen, unfortunately, uh, ill-prepared. So, um,
1: I I can do it without you if you want.
0: Um, yeah, go for it. Well, why did you grow the beard?
1: Why did I grow the beard? Oh, uh, the answer. So the Dalai Lama once I like to answer the way the Dalai Lama once asked her a- answered a great question. He said something like, and I'm paraphrasing the answer. That's a good question. The answer is very simple. I don't know. Oh, so that is unsatisfactory. it's good when it's. Yes. Yeah, Yeah. absolutely. I don't. And that's the theme of this whole thing is I they say in Buddhism, what one fool can do, any fool can do, which is nice. Final Dalai Lama story. My friend Gus likes to say people say that the Dalai Lama is a very kind man. And they're like, but of course he's a he's the Dalai Lama. Of course, he's able to do this kind thing or that kind thing. And my friend Gus says that that is a it does a disservice to the work that the Dalai Lama has done to become the kind of person that he is, to become the specific person that he is, the practice, the seeds that he has watered. Maybe he's still not all the way there. Maybe we're not all the way there. But he said it would be like seeing somebody who had built their own house, brick by brick, hammer by nail. I don't know how you build a house. But, and saying like, wow, what a beautiful house that just fell from the sky. You know, like you, like not that you're the only one that did it. Right. But like, if you... There's work that we can do, and that it's not that the Dalai Lama is more special than anyone else. It's just that he has lived a life and done certain practices. You have lived a life and done certain practices. I have lived a life and done certain practices, and we can all advance. We can all add a little more, a few more drops to the bucket. We can all, from wherever we're starting, move a little further forward along the path in the life that we have, like some people start much like some people start with a much less, uh, ed, cap- much lower capacity. That's the phrase I'm looking for there. Like, but everyone, while if you're in a human incarnation, if you have, you know, the conscious ability to think and act and reflect and care and uh, and, you know, you're here listening to a podcast uh, at, or being on a podcast like we have we have the time we have this, this precious human existence, make the effort, be able to think about what we are doing. Look at people who are doing things in ways that we do value and respect and are inspiring, be they potentially religious figures, spiritual figures. Sorry. I never answered your question about whether Buddhism is, uh, a, uh, a religion. The answer is, I don't know, or yes and no, probably Schrodinger's religion. And, uh, yeah, just that we, what one fool can do, any fool can do. It's not that there's anyone like there's no it's not like in maybe Catholicism where they're like, we need to have a conduit to God to be like, here's the stuff. It's just like the the information is out there. The writings are there. The Lamrim Rim exists. The the Buddhist centers, the teachers, the stories like any you can start anytime from anywhere. And also be it be a Buddhist or otherwise one more Dalai Lama thing he said Jews be Jews Buddhists be Buddhists like there's basically two paths like every path it's all all paths up the same mountain yeah. all fingers pointing at the same moon so you don't have to be Buddhist uh even though according to my book that says to a Buddhist everyone is Buddhist uh but you don't have to be you sure. can be a buddhist
0: and a, and a, a Mormon everyone's a Mormon so you can you can be bossy from within. And, uh, but you might as well try to be a better person, which is what I liked about this episode a great deal. Mike Kaplan is spelled M-Y-Q-K-A-P-L-A-N and it's at Mike Kaplan on all the things. But if you use the code Mike, M-Y-Q on his new dry bar special, which comes out the Thursday after this comes, which will be, um, in the middle of May, 2023, uh, go watch that. And then in August of this year, you're going to be at the Edinburgh Festival and you, your current newest album is called Live In Between Albums. Yes. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, Rangers of the Dork Forest, you have uh, been listening to me and Mike Kaplan. So I thank you for that. I thank you, Mike Kaplan, for being on the show. I
1: thank you.
0: And Rangers, you know the rules out there. Take care of each other. My hat,
1: my hat, my hat. They're dancing around. My hat, <laughs> my hat, my hat, my hat.
0: Well, what do you think of that?